0: Yo, yo, yo! It's your girl and boy, CT. I'm Cindy Barnes.
1: And I'm Travis Barnes.
0: And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast.
1: Sponsored by Journey333. That is a place of mind, body, spirit that helps you with fitness, coaching, and nutrition to look better, live better, and feel better. We produce these episodes every week for your enjoyment to help people to overcome adversity and live their dreams.
0: Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy, CT. I'm Cindy Barnes.
1: And I'm Travis Barnes. And we
0: are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast.
1: The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey333. That is a place of fitness, coaching, and nutrition, mind, body, spirit, where we help people to look better, live better, and feel better. On today's show, the Overcomers Podcast, we are super excited to have guest Charlotte Dunford with us. Charlotte is a partner in John Creek Capital. John's Creek Capital that is an investment company. I can't wait for her to tell you all about it. But Charlotte is a true overcomer. Coming here at age 16 from China with just the clothes on her back, pretty much. I, You know, you'll be interesting to hear. She didn't even have a phone. Had to borrow a phone when she landed in Philly. So I'm, I'm going to let her tell you all about that. But Charlotte, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, well, you're an overcomer. And we're we're just excited that you could share with our audience about the success that you're creating for yourself Uh, despite such humble beginnings. In fact, if we could, could we start off at those beginnings? You know, what was the the motivation uh, to come here at such a young age? And, uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Right.
0: So I came to the United States when I was 16 years old um, without my parents. Um, So the motivations really started with a dream that I've always had to attend an American university and to really change my life for the better, um, the dream that I've always had when I was little, but never had the chance to. But at 16 years old, um, I felt that going to an American high school could really help me out um, in getting giving myself an advantage to get into a top university here in America. So that's why I pretty much went into the living room and told my parents that, hey, I'm I want to go to America for high school and we already found a school, I applied and got accepted. And, uh, you know, they 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 were pretty opposed to it at, at, at first, especially my father. Uh, it's pretty difficult for him to let his only daughter, uh, 16, go abroad to a country where he doesn't speak the language of I don't know a soul. Um, in in, in the country and I don't really, I didn't really speak English that much. And like you said, I did not even have a phone. I lost the luggage in the way that's a 20 hour journey um, in that economy class little seat that I uh, f- flew over. So, uh, but the, the motivation behind it was really just to, you know, fulfill my ambitions to really make something out of myself, out of my life in the United States. And that's what I did. Um, fast forward 10 years later, um, I, there through so many, many, many trials and mistakes and, in um, know, uh, small successes along the way, Uh, I would be able to, I'm able to stand here today and uh, be in the position uh, I am. So,
1: yeah, I mean, you're, you're a successful woman, a successful investor, and we have lots to learn from that. I do have a question though, that has a little bit to do with, you know, you arriving here in America and being so courageous as to do that. Mm -hmm. I have found in my own past, which, you know, uh, our listeners know there's a book about that. We won't get into that, but in my own past, I have leaned on my struggles to find the strength for my success. And so I was just curious if, you know, as you've become the ambitious woman that you are and, you know, success-driven, what about your experience and being courageous enough to come to America, And you know, maybe any struggles that you had along the way, um, do you kind of think uh, has helped develop the kind of character, uh, helped you become the woman that you are, if you will?
0: Travis I think you're you're spot on. I think um is exactly the struggles that I went through, the pains that I went through that made me who I am today. Uh, starting from how I was raised, the uh, the upbringing in in China. So I was born in a very small town of northeastern China, extremely cold. Pretty much uh, for 6 months of the year is in it's is winter and the the kind of winter that you, you probably won't experience in you know uh <laughs> extremely cold climates the, the place is close to russia and japan and north korea so the, this little town is really doesn't have much of a future and is cold and i grew up without heating without i would have to you know you hear those stories of those those kids going to school in deep snow and walking to school for three hours something that really was my story and that's really how i grew up and growing up you know one of the first memories I had really in in my life um starting to have memories is when uh, I, I I would be so cold in the apartment the apartment was so small and I was just shivering in in in, in the coldness so that's where I came from and um uh, because of those hardships and because of you know the small apartment me and my family lived in, and the, the dictatorship that the, the, the uh, that that I lived under the communist regime of China. Um, all of that added together really just gave me this drive to say to myself that I really need to get out of this. I really need to give myself a better future. And I don't care what my classmates say, what my friends say, what my family say. If they want to settle in a place that, that's like this, maybe they have lost the will to fight. But for me, I didn't. And I, I just saw that there there are so many, so many possibilities in this world, maybe not on this land, but in a different land in a new land i could do this so uh i, I think all those you know how you call it hardships uh growing up definitely gave me the strength to go forward and definitely when i arrived in the united states as someone with no resources no connections no relationships no english skills no money um just a child i think that alone that combination alone Gave me lots of struggles, obviously, and trying to adapt, living under someone else's roof, trying to um, make, you know, trying to understand how to survive uh, in a society, in a place uh, where you don't know anyone. You have to kind of make people happy, and understanding that from a very young age, understanding the social dynamics of 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 the circle that you're in, trying to please. I guess the right people to survive is all on a survival mode. I think all of that really gave me the resilience that I need today to be an entrepreneur.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, one of the phrases that we use a lot at journey is that the way to succeed is to never give up. Uh, So that's uh, written on the walls of our franchise. And I think that to never give up really requires good perspective. If you've never had a struggle, you might give up more easily. But if you find yourself in certain situations where you're trying to make it in America and you can think back to that cold, small apartment and uh, the communist dictatorship and just different things that you lived under, uh, you're able to say, you know, this isn't so bad. I, I can push on because I have a perspective of when things were even more difficult, right or you know, maybe right. our flight over and not knowing anybody how scary that was so that when life gets scary, it's not <laughs> as scary as some of your. Perspectives. Uh, some yes. Your points. Um, yes. So, how did that evolve for you? So, you came over. You were uh, like on an exchange program. Is that what it was, or like you know? You no,
0: it was just straight up coming over. There was no one to exchange with. There's no program, so I just applied for a high school here in America. It's a small. A small uh, Christian school because you know, as a non-U.S. citizen at the time, I am now, but at the time I was an American citizen, so I could not go to a public school, and that means I only had private schools to choose from. Obviously, my family could not. There's no way we could afford a you know legit, not legit, but really fancy public uh, private school. So we found a really tiny, small uh, private school in 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 the middle of pretty much in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and uh you know very very small school uh in pennsylvania and um that was That was uh, so I I attended school there and I met my host family for the first time, wonderful people um, in 10 years ago now. And uh, I just remember the taxi finally picked me up and drove me to their house. Uh, I call it the forest because they're this wooded area and pulled up and they came out to greet me. And that was my first American encounter, really. Um, And then after that, I graduated high school and uh, as I worked extremely hard to get done with my SATs and got into one of the top engineering college, colleges in the nation, especially here in the South uh, at Georgia Institute of Technology. Um, and after that, uh, I took a job in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia as a business analyst and the rest was history as I started Johns Creek Capital, um, the mobile home park investment, investing firm.
1: Wow. So. That is really interesting. Also, coincidentally, we are interviewing you today from Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's interesting. You know, life uh, kind of travels in different circles and uh, brings you back. Uh, so, you know, as you're talking to uh, some of our Pennsylvania listeners, I'm sure that they are identifying, uh, you know. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk just a little bit more about that, if you will. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you went to school by trade to be an engineer. Right. Okay. And then uh, uh, after graduating, you became an investment analyst. Is that right?
0: Right. So I got in as a uh, industrial engineering major, but I switched majors um, after second year of uh, college to be a business major. And then I graduated to be a business data analyst.
1: Okay. All right. And so When, you know, when did we get to John Creek's capital along the way? Like, how how did that come to be? Like, you know, so, you know, right into that whole plan.
0: (laughs) Great question. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've never been the kind of person to take a normal path per se. Just look at my, you know, how I, (laughs) my, my, my story is just not a normal Path for 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 a Chinese kid in in my small town of Northeastern China. So um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, especially in real estate, because you know, as as a Chinese person, I grew up, you know, not owning any property. We never own any properties because in China, you actually cannot legally own any property. You lease it from the government for 70 years, and you have to give it back so you don't have any control over any property but here in America you can actually buy property and it's yours so that idea always fascinated me and I've always wanted to own properties and real estate Uh, so uh, combining real estate and my entrepreneurial interests um, after uh, immediately after I took the job I was, a, you know, employee W two employee, so I used my salary to finance my deals. So I started with a single family home in the south of Atlanta, where um, to 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 just to start my first deal. And then after that, I used the money that I saved and my four hundred one k and my salary to, to to qualify for another deal using bank loan, in a duplex. So that's my second deal. And uh, after a while, and after the second deal was successful, I thought, you know, I, I don't really want to wait to start my entrepreneurship uh, journey i really this is what i want to do and some people you know some people they want to be an entrepreneur and some people they can't survive without being an entrepreneur and i'm definitely the second the second one that i cannot do much without being an entrepreneur so that's really what i wanted to do so i quit my job really took the jump without much you know saved up i was married at the time well i'm still married but at the time my husband was still a college student at georgia tech we graduated from the same college um, he didn't have a job we didn't have anything saved i just worked for a year and a half at the corporate job I didn't have much saved i decided that it was a calculated risk as i educated myself throughout um, the time i was working and my rose experience so i put my job Um, and uh, started this venture. And then soon after that, I met my business partner and really built the team from from scratch along with my business partner and all of our team. And it grew into what it is today, uh, 4.2 million. Right now it's 4.7 million, over $4.7 million investor subscription and uh, 24 mobile home parks under our
1: portfolio. That is amazing. That is amazing. And once again... (laughs) Once again, your your struggle led to your success because, you know, Cindy and I are sitting here and we both just looked at each other because we didn't realize how it worked in China, that you lease your property and have to give it back to the government and nobody's allowed to own property. And so that was okay. a fascinating thing for you, but it came from the, the, the struggling situation that you live under, right? I mean, you know. I, right. The thing that americans take for granted right yeah i mean that's exactly yeah we're, I mean, we're like oh yeah we can own a property if we want to but maybe we don't you know right i mean it's, you know, because it's <laughs> yeah. there for you um yeah i think it's that it's
0: truly a blessing because without the perspective like you like you said keep it in perspective you know i i'm just extremely grateful for the hardships that i went through and where it came from because without that i wouldn't know how precious it is to have what i have today and i was naturalized as an american citizen this june uh, 2021 so recently naturalized so I, I just remember in the courtroom i could not believe the fact that I, that when the judge said that announced that you are now a u.s citizen i just felt something changed in me and that moment i've been waiting for 10 years well maybe longer than that since i was a child um, and i was uh, this The national anthem uh, played in the courtroom. I could not believe my eyes how far I've come. And I think it's important in life to really, you know, don't give up and achieve the things you want because once you achieve it, you can really look back and think, you know, at the time I really thought this was a mission impossible, but indeed it is possible. And you can look back on what you did to make it possible. And then, then you can use that as a tool to make yourself more successful. I think that's extremely critical.
1: Well congratulations yeah. on your citizenship that is just so cool and, and Thank to, you. and to hear how that was for you and and how long it took and you know just the the pride that you have over the moment and uh, you know that it was a dream fulfilled that's awesome and, and Thank you know, you. I, I wanted to ask you know as you were able to take from your salary and save for your first deal and then do your second deal and then you know get a loan for that and then you're you talked about calculated risk Do you feel that because of your circumstance that you grew up in, that you, when compared to maybe some of your uh, social circle, your friends or other people that you have knowledge of, that you were able to save a bit more than the average person in order to make this thing happen?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, There are two things. One, we can save a little bit more because, you know, I come from a culture that is a big deal in in the Chinese culture to save money. That's all they do. My parents, that's all they did, save all their life. They would save one Chinese dollar, which is what, 10 cents to avoid AC con- air conditioned bus to just you know save that one dollar so that's the cultural aspect of it. another thing is um, the risk taking part and I think something that it's stopping a lot of people is not just the saving money part it's the risk taking they don't really want to take the risk even if it is an educated risk calculated risk where there is a reward at the end there's a lot of people don't want to take that jump because it is risky for them and for me uh, the reason I, I think the reason I was willing to take the risk because I really went through a lot of interesting and <laughs> difficult, d- dangerous situations. Even um, so, for me, nothing could be worse than what we, what what I had before. So I wake up every day now thinking that today is a bonus. Because you know, the the day I became American citizen, my dream was fulfilled. So any other day I have is like an extra credit for me. So I don't really have any doubts, fear, or uh, risks. There's risks, but I don't have much fear over it because I know that whatever this comes to is going to be 100 times better than what I had growing up, what I had when I first came to the United States. So once someone goes through some extreme, I'm talking about extreme hardships, um, nothing really matters and nothing really seems as as bad as before, and you really do have the courage to go forward because of you know, what you had before, nothing stops you then.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know, what a combination for you to be a financial analyst that can analyze the risk, but at the same time, to have the perspective, you wanna talk about risk, coming here from another country, barely speaking English at 16 years old, just with a dream uh, to motivate you and not really knowing what you would encounter, and then, of course, mm-hmm. having the reference point of that, uh, that's, that's always helped me too. I mean, I've had, a, uh, uh, definitely been down to less than zero in my struggles. And so my mm-hmm. reference point, even during the pandemic, when businesses were shutting down, mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't going to go back to the worst spot that I'd ever been in, in my life, you know? So exactly. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, Johns Creek Capital and, uh, You know what you're able to do for yourself and others and and kind of sharing how um, you know your entrepreneurial mind meets your financial analyst mind and and how this uh, mobile home home park investing has uh, become such a a thing that you'd recommend others, you know.
0: Right so um, as. The audience, you're listening. You you can probably tell that I do a lot of things off the beaten path. Uh, and mobile home park is really an off the beaten path investment group, uh, in that investment asset group. Because um, when you think about investments, you think about you know real estate, oh commercial real estate, apartment buildings, uh, multi-family, single-family, flip a house, all those things. But mobile home park it has really been a long ignored asset class, and it's really a niche. Um, and what we do, Johns Creek Capital, is we do something, um, we're in the niche within the niche, which is interesting because when I got into real estate, got into mobile home parks, um, I I thought, okay, this is really blue blue ocean strategy that there's not a lot of competition there, which is why it's profitable. And I really looked into it and thinking that, you know, I really don't want to go out there and compete with Uh, people with um, those financial institutions with billions of dollars just to pour into an asset for a 3% return. I want to be in an asset class or a niche within the mobile home park niche where I can make money uh, higher um, in turn rate return. Uh, so, So our parks are actually small to medium level parks, which is kind of a niche within niche and we are we our goal is really to develop a monopoly within this small niche which is important and then we can expand out of that for now and from from when we started in 2020 uh, late 2019 early 2020 it's only been a year and um, we we really grew rapidly in this niche and that's important as we go uh, forward into 2022 as economy well, the COVID starts to, you know, recover and that the, its impact start to start to kind of like taper off. Uh, we are looking forward to a even bigger twenty twenty two. So um, this niche is extremely attractive to me because again, it's off the beaten path and the high cap rate and not everybody's trying to chase after this one hot thing, which makes it better for for investors like me who want to. Um, find the uh, diamond in the rough to make something out of it. And uh, we are, you know, our mission is to serve our investors well and establish um, the communities and provide high-quality housing. And that American dream of home ownership and uh, really my dream to uh, a lot of hardworking people.
1: Well, we are excited to be talking to you while it's almost considered a ground-floor time in your company. <laughs> Even though you've had so yep. much growth already, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the early stages, it's typically, it's typically then that people are uh, going to benefit the most by, you know, uh, getting on board and that kind of thing. Uh, so Johns Creek Capital, as far as your clients or, or how people engage with, uh, you know, uh, investing with you and that kind of thing, you know, how does that work? Do you serve clients all around the country? Do you serve clients all around the world? Do you uh, uh, take clients more specific to the area that you're in? How, how does that work?
0: Yeah, currently
1: most of our investors
0: are, well, all of them are within the United States and all over the country. Um, mobile home park is really an all-American asset. When you think about it, you don't really have any mobile home parks in other countries except for Canada, um, and in America, is really majorly in America. You d- you don't have any mobile home. Park. It's not really a concept anywhere else. So uh, most of them are from uh, uh, you know in the southeast, but you know they're from all over the country. there is really not a strong you know difference there. And most of our clients are accredited investors um, by the SEC. Uh, a definition and some of them are not accredited but they do have some real estate experience which makes them the sophisticated investors so those are the two types of investors we work with primarily
1: okay and then uh there's something there's a, a benefit to be learned isn't there about uh the value of investing in lots versus uh a regular you know property type investment as far as why you might uh Recommend that over the over another, or if you could just yeah compare. Great question. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so you know, uh, mobile home park is a parking lot business. The closest um, asset class I would compare it to is a parking lot, and the trailers we call the mobile homes are parks on the parking lots. So you get the lot rent from the tenants who own the homes. So they are just like a car right the car owner would be responsible to maintain the the the, the car maintenance and repairs and making sure is 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 brake lights are not off all that good stuff but uh you know as a parking lot owner you're only responsible to you know charge them a lot rent for parking parking rates at your park park so so mobile home park is the same exact same thing except for the homes are much harder to move than an actual car. Uh, It usually takes about anywhere from $8,000 to $10,000 to move a home. And if the home is older, it can't even be moved because it will be shattered uh, on anything faster than um, one mile per hour speed. So um, that's the stability of the asset class. And that's why um, the turnover rate is low is because they can't really go anywhere. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a parking lot business and that makes the expense ratio a little bit lower. And uh, yeah.
1: if, if I'm understanding this correctly, which, you know, we've contemplated becoming landlords ourselves and we have friends who are landlords. And uh, mm-hmm. so this is the best kind of landlord to be. One, your tenant uh, is not likely to move if they've come and parked uh, their house on the property because it's so (laughs) expensive for them to move. And typically, the landlord always has the issues of maintaining the property, whereas in this case, you're really renting the lot space, so the maintenance of the property is still the tenant, uh, the person- You're, wow. OK. Yeah. But you go. do.
0: You are responsible for utilities, right? So if there's something underground, underground utilities or electrical poles or, you know, uh, common area, lawn care, you are responsible for that. You're also responsible for the taxes, for the the, 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 the assets, the, the land. Um, you're also responsible for other contract services and legal costs and there are costs related to that. It's just different asset class. Um, so, not to say that this asset class is easy to manage, is it definitely has its tough time, tough times because of the nature of this asset class and the demographic uh, that that's associated with it. But it's definitely, you know, uh, if it, it has it yields profit, then it's a good asset, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as a franchise, um, we try to look for different opportunities. If somebody contacts us and says, "Oh, I think I'd like to have a Journey franchise," you know, we try to look at the uh population of the area we try to look at the income of the area um different things that we think might help them to be successful maybe where there are properties available you know how much competition there is um how do you as a company start to identify different opportunities that you think will be good in the mobile home park investing
0: yeah so As a company, we have developed our own algorithm to identify and qualify. We have a scoring system and the scoring system pretty much has um, several, you know, many, many different parameters and with different of which each parameter we assign a weight to the importance of that parameter for example population employment unemployment rate housing vacancy and uh, you know rent gap between the lot rent and local apartment rent so all of those parameters have a different weight um and uh, so and then once we have a deal we, we look at every deal we can find and then well, i'm confidently i can say that there there aren't any deals really out there um, if you can find it we've most likely already um, underwritten it, either pursued it, made an offer, or Done something with it. So, um, so we, we process all of these deals like through this machine of our, our algorithm to qualify it or disqualify it by assigning a score to each parameter. And if it passes, it passes. If it doesn't pass, we'll move on to the next deal. And uh, you know, some of the important parameters we we'll look at is a um, is a tenant-owned uh, versus park-owned ratio. What that means is that we want the park to have at least um, some tenant-owned. Properties. What that means is that the homes are actually uh, owned by the tenant. So this park actually serves as a parking lot instead of a, you know, park-owned home uh, uh, rental property, which is the business we, we don't want to get into. But if there are park-owned homes, the park the park-owned homes need to be relatively new, like the one that we currently have. The park-owned homes are actually pretty much brand new from manufactured in 2020. So that's that's very important because that really drives your re- expense ratio. another thing we look at is the spread between the cap rate and the, the interest rate if you're getting a loan. For example, if you're getting a 4% interest rate, you wanna make sure the cap rate you're buying this asset as is at least three to four points above your interest rate. And that's how you can yield uh, close to a 20% return is that you have to have that spread. Without that spread, you'll be bleeding not every money every every month so those are you know one of two of the many many major parameters we use to uh, qualify our deals
1: well thank you for sharing those and Mm -hmm. taking time to educate our audience is there anything else that you'd like to share today about john's creek capital
0: yeah so Johns Creek capital into 2022 we're extremely excited to uh we have grown tremendously over the past year and a half, um, two years almost. it, well, pretty much a year and a half, uh, from zero dollars to 4.7 million dollars in subscriptions. So we're looking forward to continue to continue growing the company and uh, expand our portfolio and getting uh, you know uh, more deals at a faster speed with more investors and really delivering our results to our investors who who invested earlier and we're actually in the process of doing two of them. So if you would like to get connected with us to learn more about our uh, investment opportunities please go to our website at johnscreedcapital.com, and uh, you can fill out a form and, and or you can reach out to me directly i'm sure uh, travis would provide the email
1: yeah definitely definitely if you could uh, share with us any email or social links uh, right now i mean i think that you're yeah. inspiring to uh all of our audience, I'm sure, you know, so you're an interesting woman to follow. And so for people that want to follow entrepreneurs like yourself, you know, please uh, share whatever you will.
0: Will do. Thank you. So like I said, uh, the um, John's Creek Capital, johnscreekcapital.com is our website. And to email me directly is C. Dunford at johnscreekcapital.com. So uh, pretty simple. <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah, well, we will definitely put that in the show notes. And and Charlotte, you're an inspiration, right, Cindy? Yeah.
0: yeah. I, uh, thank you. You're, you're super daring, courageous, um, and your English is amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank for, you.
0: Thank you. For someone that came over here that you said you barely spoke English is mm-hmm. is amazing and what you've done. Um, thank you so much. Kudos to you, for sure. Wow. <laughs> thank you.
1: Yeah. And thank you for being on our show today. We appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right, people come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety, that's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.